Hey everyone, I'm Laura and I'm Jill and we are the hosts of Crime Divers Podcast. We are Scottish sisters who tell each other true crime cases that other hasn't heard of. New episodes are released every Tuesday and you can find us on your favourite podcast platform. So what are you waiting for? Grab your wetsuit and join us as we dive into the world of true crime. But remember, watch watch out for those sharks! On today's episode, we will get into the most dangerous game killings, if you can call them that, the girl that got away, the cops that finally looked at Robert as a killer, and the fuck-ups that led to his capture on episode two of Robert Hansen. I'm Kevin Young. I'm Don Hergan. And this is Torture. Featuring Crazy Bobby. <laughs> Crazy Bob. I was I was talking to my wife uh, the other one. I was listening to his interviews that we'll get to in a little bit. And I was kind of making fun of him, but I was doing a stutter. And she's like, you shouldn't make fun of people who stutter. I was like, Ugh. no. I know I, him. I'm not making fun of people that stutter. I'm making fun of Robert fucking Hansen. He just happened to have a stutter. So yeah. I won't do any stuttering, but still, I don't know. I feel like if somebody stutters, but he kills 17 women and rapes 30 plus, I think you have, I think you're allowed to make fun of his stutter. Per, my, myself. And him as a person, yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily the, the fact of the, I'm trying to take it the, the diplomatic way of saying it, kind of like, it's not making fun of a stutter, it's making fun of him who happens to be a person who stutters. And yeah. It is a defining feature. That you can pick it on. You know? it, yeah. Very defining. Hmm. It's like if somebody has a southern accent, a southern American accent. Uh just because I'm you know, they kill mil you know, however millions, however many people. Uh you can I feel like you could do a southern accent and make fun of them and not make fun of everybody who has a southern accent. We make fun of Hitler all the time with horrible German accents. That doesn't mean I make fun of everybody that's German. Uh, that's just true, yeah. That was a horrible. That was the worst one. I don't even put that in. <laughs> That's going to be fast, the fast, fast. of the episode. <laughs> okay, so when we last left Robert, he had just gotten himself a plane and was robbing secluded camping, ca- secluded cabins, and ramping up his murder spree. Sounds like Grand Theft Auto. Yes. So it does. Just got myself a plane, yes. ramping up my murder spree. So in May of 1982, Robert met 23-year-old Sue Luna, uh, it seems like she might have been the first of his, quote, hunting murders. Some feel like it may have been uh, Mally Larson. There's really no way of knowing. Now, to be honest, there's a lot of people that felt like Robert never actually hunted these women. Uh, Last episode, we talked about how there's a there's a good chance that a lot of stuff that is in the book or a lot of stuff that's in the, you know, the ID channel docuseries and the movies and everything is kind of dramatized, amped up a little bit. I can tell you exactly what happened. 
His truck got stuck. His truck got stuck. Again. His truck got <laughs> They ran away. Again. He ran after them. Again. Every well, by time. now, yeah. By now, he's taking them out in his plane. So maybe his plane got stuck oh. and they had to help. His plane him. got stuck in the mud. His plane got stuck in the mud. <laughs> yeah. Here, help me get his plane out of mud here. So, okay. He usually hunted with a crossbow, not a gun. That is an argument. Well, he didn't hunt with a gun. He hunted with a crossbow mostly. Okay. Well, one, there were some people that looked at the photos that he sent. Because back then when you wanted to, for Pope and Young's, uh, the, the records that he had, you'd send in photos of your kill. Some people, other hunters had noticed that, like, the ram he had sent in, that he got, like, you know, 12th biggest ram or whatever the fuck it was, uh, they noticed that it had a a bullet hole in one of its horns, like a chip from a bullet in one of its horns. So the question of, did he really kill all these animals with a bow and arrow? Kind of comes up. I don't know, but it is worth, you know, contemplating. Mm. Um, They didn't, they weren't found like deep in the forest. Uh, The bodies and the casings were found out in the open. So that kind of disputes the whole hunting thing. There were no blood trails from where they got shot and then ran into the forest. Um, there were no drag marks on the ground or wherever from where he would have dragged them back to where he was where they were buried. Personally, I think it was like a mini game. Um, I think he used a gun instead of an arrow because he didn't want to take the chance of them getting away. Um, they didn't make it that far into the forest. Because he was too worried about someone finding a naked woman running through the woods, tied tied up, and screaming about a crazy person chasing her. Yeah. Uh, I think these hunts lasted just long enough to get him hard from, you know, their terror. And then he ended it. And since it probably didn't take him all that long to get hard, uh, he ended it quickly. That's just me. Probably a case of, you know, the, the usual thing of telling somebody to run. Yeah. And then you, run. Know, you see a movies all the time. And yeah. And then literally as soon as they think they might have a chance. Yep. But it seemed like either way is when he was done with his fun. That's when they died. As long as he was enjoying himself, they were alive. But once, once he stopped enjoying himself, then I don't need you anymore. Yeah. You're dead. Yeah. Uh, so he flew Luna to the Kanik River, which in this this area of the river, you can only get there by boat or plane. You can, you can This area, you can't really drive out to. Uh, he stripped her down. He says he made her run. And when he was done, he shot her. Just like what a lot of people thought he did. So in January of 83, the body of a young woman was found at Horseshoe Lake near Anchorage. Now, her body stayed unidentified. For 37 years. She was only known as Horseshoe Harriet because she was found near Horseshoe Lake. Until October of 2021, when forensic genealogy finally provided a name, Robin Pelkey. And she was only 19 when she was killed. 37 fucking years. And you're known as. And you're known as Horseshoe Harriet. Horseshoe Harriet. Another classic D&D name. <laughs> Coming up. 
Uh, April of 83, he murdered Delyn Frey, who was also found at the Knick River. That same month, 21-year-old Paula Goulding went missing. Her body was also found on the banks of the Knick River. The same type of casings was found near her body as what was found at Sherry Morrow's gravesite. But she was killed with a single gunshot to the heart. Story goes, she tried to run. He got her. She was all, you know, wrapped up, couldn't see where she was going, set her down. She sat there crying and screaming for her to, for him to not kill her. He got bored of listening to her scream, shot her in the heart. I'm not. Oh, as you do. Yeah. You're not fun to play with anymore. So mm. now you have to die. Yeah. I, I'm kind of starting to see a thing here where I'm not sure either how much I believe the whole chasing them through the yeah. woods thing. If that's because are they all really that stupid that they run blindfolded? You know what I mean? Like, it, there yeah. seems to be a thing with him having the blindfold and them running and stuff like that. And it just, it's just kind of like, it's, I don't know if that's, to me personally, I don't know. I kind of feel like that might be him trying to, if because he's the one stating it. You know what I mean? It, it, I'm, I'm assuming that it's all based, can only be based purely on what he has said or what the evidence they found based on the bodies that they found. Like, so they found a body with, school probably had the open high ground he could have tied around afterwards you know um as just him trying to um kind of let's say make it out as if women are idiots because he looks down on them you know because they're all it's a good possibility and stuff yeah yeah that's a good we're idiots and he just didn't realize oh i have my hands here i can just uh take this thing off maybe we're just well i I think in a a moment of pure terror you uh, you just go. Like in a moment of pure. Yeah, terror, but at the same time, at the same time though, your natural instinct to I can't see would be I need to make myself see. Because that's yeah. the most terrifying part, surely, is that not being able to see. And if you're if you have a means well, and, and ways of. And the ones that did run, he shot in the back to stop them. So all these ones <sighs> that he weren't shot in the back, that he's like, oh well, they they took off the headband still on, but I caught up to them and and all this stuff. More than likely, that didn't happen. More than likely, you made them terrified for their lives, and then when you were done, you know, getting your jollies off of it, you just killed them. They had nowhere to go. Just they had nothing. Them. They yeah. they didn't. Know, they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So now we come to Cindy Paulson. Now, Cindy Paulson was 17 years old when Robert Hansen pulled up next to her in his car in downtown Anchorage. He offered her $200 to perform oral sex. She accepted, climbed into the front seat. Now, that would have been about $570 today. So he's, he's not playing with chump change. He's, he's, he's offering a lot of money. Now, whether or not he has any of this money, I don't know. But he's offering a lot of money. Big, big money business owner. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's he, true. He does have a business. Says a lot of donuts. Yeah. And he was a well-respected member of this, of uh, the community. So I imagine it was a pretty successful business. So the seemingly shy man suggested that they go to a nearby car park to not arouse suspicion. Cindy agreed. Once uh, they were finished, Robert Hansen pulled her head back, pushed a gun in her face. And he said he wouldn't hurt her as long as she did what he said. Then he took her to his home, 
dragged her out of the car. Uh, but Sin now, so you're talking about how you don't know what if he's making it up or if they're just really stupid. Cindy was by no account stupid. She went into pure survival mode, and she started making mental notes of everything she saw, including uh, the color of the house. He took her downstairs. He sexually assaulted her. When he was done, he chained her by the neck to an eye bolt and a beam in the basement, and then he took a nap. Well, while he was sleeping, she uh, memorized as much of the basement as she could, hunting trophies, animal heads on the wall, games, like uh, I think he had a foosball table, um, clothing scattered around the home. I mean, every fucking thing that she could memorize, she memorized, Mm. just in case she was able to get away. Now, hours later, Bob woke up, released her from the shackles, told her to go to the bathroom and get herself cleaned up. And uh, he wanted to take her out to his cabin that he, uh, and after that he promised to let her go. Uh, He told her that they could only get to the cabin by air. He had his plane ready. So the pair drove to Merrill field airport. Now, as uh, Bob was getting the aircraft ready for takeoff, Cindy escaped. She ran from the car, and Robert chased after her. But a security guard was nearby, and he saw what was going on. So he slowed to a walk, got back in his car, and drove home to take out the eye bolt and fill in the hole. He kind of had an idea what was what might be coming. Cindy, meanwhile, half-naked, barefoot, and handcuffed, ran down 6th Avenue and tried to flag down a vehicle. She managed to jump into a truck and asked the driver, Robert Yunt, to take her to a motel rather than the police station. He wanted to take her straight to the police. She's like, no, 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 no. Take me to a motel. So he ends up taking her to the Mush Inn. It's a health. What a name. (laughs) Uh, What's happening there? Ain't mush happening here. Uh, she immediately found a payphone. He immediately pay- found a payphone and called the police. She called her pimp, who was huh. told, yeah, and she told him the entire story. And he had a gun and went to the airport to find Hanson because he was going to kill him himself. He was just going to go, you know, so fuck, kill him, get it over with. Hanson was gone by then. I'd like to see that movie, though. That'd be. Pimp that would be the best. Yeah, the pimp page. shows up. <laughs> pimp shows up with a big furry. It looks like Kramer from that episode of, of uh, Seinfeld where he's got, he's got the cane. He's got the big furry coat. Shows up. Anyway, when the police arrived at her room, uh, Officer Greg Baker unlocked her handcuffs with a master key. And Cindy claimed, uh, and as Cindy calmed down, she told her this whole fucking story. And, of course, the officers weren't sure if they could believe her. She was an underage sex worker, and they thought that uh, she made it all up due to a banned transaction with a client. Mm. Yeah. But she described her attacker in finite detail, his acne scars, his crooked teeth, how he spoke with a stutter, the kind of plane he owned, the car he drove, the house she was taken to. There was so much detail 
to Cindy's story, they she thought they would have to believe her. Now, Greg Baker took her to the hospital for a checkup and a rape kit, and the rape kit shows that she was severely sexually assaulted, by the way. Um, on the way, they drove past the airfield that Cindy had escaped from, and as they drove, a plane took off. Cindy told the officers that it belonged to the man they were looking for. Now, that plane actually wasn't Hanson's, but while they're at the air- airfield, they found the right plane, which was in Hanson's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the police police arrived at Hanson's home after they had taken her to the hospital, they realized that Cindy Cindy's description was accurate down to the smallest detail. They knocked on the door, the blue house, and a man Sydney described greeted them. Hanson had an alibi and told police that uh, he had spent the first part of their day with his friend working on a new seat for his plane. So I got a little bit of an interview here uh, with him describing how he, the first time he actually met Cindy. Okay, uh, she was standing there, and uh, I was driving down the street, and uh, she waved a little bit and so forth, and then I pulled up and talked with her. Um, and it was just usual chit chat, you know, uh, asking, uh, you know, the guy in the car and asked her uh, how, how, how it's doing and so forth and whether they're looking for a good time and so forth. I chatted there with her a little bit and uh, made the agreement with her. Uh, that I was going to see her sometime. I didn't, you know, just, uh, she, I, I, I couldn't see her that night because it was, um, during the week. So that's him explaining the first time he was wanting to meet with Cindy when, uh, all this came around about what she had said had happened. He tells them that he's with a friend. Uh, neighbor working on a new seat for his plane and then uh, that he goes to another friend's house to plan a fishing trip and we got a little bit of that interview too where he's explaining exactly what he's doing with his friend then on the night in when this i guess really began uh i met her uptown after well um on the saturday where uh, this come about, I um, was at a friend of mine's house, John Summerall, and we repaired, um, not repaired, I modified a seat in my airplane so that it would tip forward so the stuff could be loaded in the back of the airplane easier. Uh, with deal of putting a hinge in the back um, tube that and uh, I went to his house about, gosh, uh, it would be a strictly guess, but about five thirty, six o'clock, and had supper with uh, John and his wife. Uh, and then we, it's quite a process to get it right, and we worked on it till approximately 11, 30, 12, or 12 o'clock. So he's got a, he's got an alibi, but. 
we know that he wasn't there. And here's the thing. His friends corroborated his alibi. And all three of these men were well-respected men in the community. You'd have to wonder why, Hick. Their stories, yeah, so their their stories obviously didn't match up with with hers. Um, They would later say that they claimed the reason they helped, they lied for him was because they thought that he just needed out of a sticky situation with a woman. Not that he had murdered some, tried to murder someone. So bros right, before right. hoes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Uh, they had no idea what he had. They, they were just like, they, they said, Hey, you know, was, was Robert with you on this night? And they're thinking, Oh, well, he's after cheating on his wife. And yeah. So this keeps him. So even though she was able to immediately pick him out of a lineup, tell them, everything there was to know about the inside of his house, about his car, about his plane, all this shit. Still, he had an alibi, and he wasn't the teenage sex worker. So, there wasn't a whole lot they could do. Mm. And, and, And Bob was so sure that he'd be found innocent by everybody that he even allowed the police to search his property and his car even though it was the exact same make and model that Cindy has described, including specific discarded trash on the floor of the vehicle. She's even able to tell them the wrappers of food and shit that were on the floor of the vehicle, and it was still there. But again, it's just, well, I don't know, she must have been in my vehicle. You know, I did meet, I, I tried to meet up with her at one point before, and we couldn't meet up, so she must have just seen what was in my vehicle then. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the whole thing, it, it kind of just basically shows that she could have been there, but not necessarily that what happened, as she yeah, says, yeah. happened. Yeah, she can prove that at some point she was in his car, and at some point she was at his house, but she can't prove that it was on that night or that he was what trying to happened? kidnap her and attack her. Yeah. Her description of the inside of the basement was accurate, but the issue the police had was there was, again, there wasn't any evidence alluding to the abduction. And they couldn't find the gun that she had described being held to her head. So they decided to have Sydney, Cindy, I keep saying Sydney, Cindy take a polygraph. But she refused. She said, you know, if you're not going to believe me with all the shit I've given you, if you're not going to believe me, I'm done. Fuck it. I'm out. So you might be wondering, okay, well, I understand if he was some upstanding citizen and never had a record or anything, then you'd be like, okay, maybe it's kind of hard to believe her over him because he's, you know, so squeaky clean, but he wasn't squeaky clean. He had a very extensive criminal record. So what happened with that? Right down to that excruciating detail, excruciating details of his description. They say everything keeps coming up saying there's this exact guy. Matches this exact description. Yeah. Who's done this exact thing? Yeah, and everybody's had, just kind of like, yeah. He had been he'd been arrested multiple times for for shoplifting and and robbery. He had been uh, arrested for assault. He went to prison, uh, the kidnapping, all that shit. So why didn't they put those all together? Well, apparently, yeah. 
the police department was in the process of transferring the records to a new computer system. So when they looked up Robert Hansen, nothing came up. As far as they were concerned, he had no record at all. So they closed the investigation. But before the Anchorage police put it to bed, it was sent to the Alaskan state's trooper, state troopers, where it landed on the desk of Lyle Hogsvin, the same detective that was working on the Sherry Morrow case. So now he's got two of his cases. Mm. So he started looking into Hanson, specifically his flying. Well, Hanson never gave the tower at Merrill Field his actual registration number on his plane, so they didn't know where he was going. He he painted the license, the registration number on his plane so small that they couldn't read it when he was in the air. And when they would call and be like, uh, you know, whatever plane, what's your registration number, where are you going? He would give them the registration number of a different plane. And since it's, you know, the early 80s, they'd just be like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and he didn't have a license. So they couldn't track that down because he was prescribed lithium years earlier and they won't give him a license because he's supposed to be on lithium. So he's flying around just under the radar. It's the sort of thing you couldn't get away with nowadays. Um, no, not even a little. No. 90% of the, these motherfuckers that we'll talk about, you can't get a, a, away with any of this shit now. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Hey, this is Jeff and Richard and Michael from Mount Rushmore, but not the actual Mount Rushmore, like the monument, because that'd be weird. No, we mean the Mount Rushmore podcast. Every week, Richard and I debate what belongs on the Mount Rushmore of any topic. It might be the Mount Rushmore of fake Elvises or something weighty and important. Like the Mount Rushmore of jackets. And when they're done, I judge them and decide whose choices were right and mainly whose choices were wrong. With more than 100 episodes of nonsense, you'll find a topic that, you know, you actually care about. Especially if you feel strongly about jackets. Or grandmothers. See, oh, yeah, or Ikea. Canadians. See, listen, this, this is what I have to deal with. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcast, or check us out at mtrushmore.com. It wasn't long before things started to add up against Hansen, though, uh, especially when they found Paula Goulding's body with the same bullet cases near the body of Sherry Morrow. Enter... Glenn Flothy. Now, he is the one that Nick Cage plays in um, Frozen Ground. Uh, he's the first person to put this whole thing together. He's kind of the, uh, the super cop in all this. He takes all the miss- missing sex workers, how they're also alike, uh, with the exception of Lisa Futrell. They were all in their late teens, early 20s, about the same height. Busty, which is something that um, Butcher Baker, they, they they use that word a lot. Busty. I mean, a okay. lot. Yeah. Um, they had all had made plans to meet with someone, offering them money, and then meet, went missing afterwards. So Flothy and Hogsman started working together. And when the re- records transfer, transfer was finally over, they could finally see Hansen's criminal background. He knew Robert Hansen was the man they were looking for. Robert had a plane. 
he had access to the sites where the bodies were found. Then, he had access to the victims. They're all sex workers. Mm-hmm. Third, he was a hunter, so he could track these women once they were let go and shoot them down. Again, that probably didn't even happen. And then on top of all that, he had a criminal record of sexual assault and kidnapping. So all the puzzle pieces were coming together. That one he was known as Old Crazy Bob. Old Crazy Bob. Old Dimple Dick. Yeah, Old Dimple Dick Bob. (laughs) So the state troopers just literally had to take all the puzzle pieces and put them together. So they really started to keep an eye on Old Bob. And a search warrant was requested for Hanson's property. But the district attorney denied it. Twice. For because. no reason that I can really see. Yeah. Because well, it looked... It's the usual thing, probably, with old Bob. You've probably some stupid little thing. They're like, ah, uh, oh, it's okay. Forget about it. He's cool. So when that didn't work, Flothy contacted the FBI. Uh, he was sent to the Behavioral Science Unit, and John Douglas was assigned to the case. Now... If you know anything about serial killers and all that shit, then you will know the name John Douglas because he is best known for his work depicted in the series Mind Hunter on Netflix. Douglas wasn't told anything about the man they suspected, but was given the information about the three recovered bodies. From here, he was able to create a criminal psychological profile of the man he believed was responsible for the murders. Now, tell me how spot on this was. He said the killer would be around 40 years old, have low self-esteem due to a history of rejection. He would be an intelligent and well-respected member of the community he lived in. He would have been involved in shoplifting and arson at some point during his life. He would be an experienced hunter and would keep trophies from his victims. He would probably be married, and his wife would be religious and have no idea of her husband's crimes. 100%. The only thing they're missing was the name Bob. Oh, he probably has some type of stutter or some other type of uh, speech impediment of some sort, which he had a horrible stutter. Hmm. Yeah. So, with that from the FBI, and the fact that the tire marks found outside all these cabins that had been broken into matched the tires on his plane, and his was the only plane to have those kinds of tires, and Sidney's testimony, they were finally able to secure a search warrant for his property, plane, and car. So the 27th of October, 1983, Flothy and his team searched Hansen's property. His wife, Darla, and his children and his mother were all at the home when they showed up. Uh, They had no idea why the police were there, and they were shocked when they found out. Darla was completely in the black about this. She had no idea any of this was happening. Again, how did he have the time? <laughs> Again, yeah. But like, they spent so much time apart from each other. She was always spending time with her family, with you know the kids. And they were never they hardly ever saw each other. So yeah. and she was like she was extremely religious, like 
uh, Douglas had said. And, you know, she, honestly, they should have got a divorce long ago, but she was one of these didn't, you know, believe in divorce. You know, you're married, you work through it. But they didn't spend yeah, any yeah. time together. So she found out that her husband was, you know, on the kick for all these fucking murders. And even after he was arrested for theft and in prison on rape charges, she stood by him. So, you know, she was devoted, I guess. Um, it's the wonder. <laughs> Again, religion. Tut, tut, tut. <laughs> tut, tut, tut. So uh, the family left the house and let the officers do what they needed to do. They were sure that they weren't going to find anything, but it wasn't long before they did. Behind the headboard of Robert and Darla's bed, they found an aviation map. It had uh, some writing on it. It was a map of Anchorage, and it had 24 crosses scribbled on it. Police quickly realized that four of those crosses were where bodies had been discovered. Now, another officer, uh, why would you keep that? Um, I don't know. I mean, so he's, he claims he has a little cabin out where he's killing these women at. Why wouldn't you keep it out of the cabin? Because if, if they find the cabin, then they're they're going to realize... It's not close enough to him at all times, though, to revel in... I suppose. Uh, that yeah. That's... It might have just been all the active quests he had open at the time, though. <laughs> all the side quests? Yeah, that he just hasn't gotten around to doing yet. Yeah. Anyway, they found this map, had all these crosses on it. And then another officer, Officer uh, Kesnick, went into the attic to see what else, what he could find up there. After looking around for a long time, he pulled out some insulation and some Christmas decorations. And eventually, he found what he was looking for. Multiple firearms hidden under, hidden in the back of the attic including the gun that Cindy described and a 223 Ruger Mini 14 plus a bag of jewelry which contained a golden arrowhead necklace boom yep oh and it gets better so while the cops were at the home a neighbor specifically the white the white the wife of the na- of uh the neighbor that had lied to the police about Hansen's whereabouts the night of Cindy Paulson's kidnapping, she came over and asked what was going on. One of the troopers told her that it looked like Robert Hansen was going to be booked for murder, and the woman spilled the beans on her husband on how her husband never hung out with Robert and that he was definitely not with him that evening virtually destroying the alibi Hanson had for that night. Yeah. Yeah. Game over. So February 1984, Hanson was arrested at his bakery while he's making the really horrible flowers. Look, actually, he oh, yeah. actually he got, they were at the bakery before him. He got there late. When Ooh. he pulled up, they got out of the car, grabbed him, took him to the uh, police station. He was charged with kidnapping, assault, theft, insurance fraud. Again, Flothy was really going for this insurance fraud thing. I don't talk about it a whole lot, but in the book, 
I mean, he talks about it a lot about how really wanted to get him for insurance fraud. Never mind all the murders and stuff. Yeah, it's just kept for not. He kills all those women, but oh, insurance oh. free. Got that money. Money's more important. You know that. Now, when questioned about the assault, he he didn't deny being with the women, but he told the police that it was all consensual and he didn't rape them. He stated the women were just enacting revenge because they altered their prices after sex and he wouldn't pay. He actually goes on to say, um, well, you can't rape a prostitute, can you? Good Lord. (laughs) And Flothy's like, "Uh, in my state, you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Flothy didn't buy any of it. Uh, the neighbor that gave the alibi for Cindy Paulson uh, incident, whose wife had refuted, finally went down to the police station to told them that he had lied. He didn't hang out with Hansen, and he wasn't with him that night. Um, it doesn't say if he got any, uh, if there are any repercussions for lying to the police or not, but um, probably should have been. But I yeah. doubt that there were. Most likely, not. Uh, you never know. It's, it's just probably wasn't important enough, really, to kind of go on record in any way, shape, or form for us to yeah. look at. So, has to have been like you know, I could that completely held up an entire possibility of arresting somebody for multiple murders. Like, I mean, it yeah. has to have been something to happen. Like, yeah. So. Uh, plus, uh, now the forensics returned with a match between the crime scene bullets and Hanson's rifle and, uh, found at the house. Hanson and his lawyer began to bargain a plea deal. He agreed to plead guilty to four murders, uh, Eklutna Annie, Joanna Messina, Paula Goulding, and Sherry Morrow, and agreed to give the investigators further information about other victims who were crosses on his aviation map. His lawyer said he would plead guilty as long as he didn't stay in Alaskan prison and that his family was left alone and not attached to him or his crimes. So maybe the one, you know, one last good thing that he did is keep my family out of it. Um, I believe he didn't want to be in Alaska prison because Alaska had the death penalty at the time. Right. And he would have gotten it if he would have stayed there. They took him out to all the spots where the bodies apparently were by helicopter now he would he bound through the woods got to the graves and would try to dig through the ground with his hands like a dog almost uh, but the ground was too fro it was frozen ground uh, oh he said i see what you did there so they would mark the area of where he said they were and they'd come back when everything thawed out and they found that hansen led them to the exact spot of the graves Every time, and they were able to get to the bodies with just one hole at each location. That's, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. I mean, that, that... Of all the things to have a photographic memory about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where all these women are buried. <laughs> well, that being said, I'm sure if you did something like that, you would remember it in extreme detail. Maybe. You know, probably the first couple, but after a while, it would just be another thing. You know, you yeah, you, you remember the you know you remember the first place you had sex, but you don't remember ninety nine percent of the rest of them, depending on how many times you've had sex. So uh, it, if it's just it, the once, then if it's just the <laughs> once, then you're good. If you kill one person, you remember where, but if you kill seventeen, you probably end up forgetting at some point. But yeah, he did. Point. 
So the victims were Megan Emmerich. She was 17. Hansen denied killing her, but there was an X on his map where her body was found. So uh, Mary Thill, age 22. Again, Hansen denied killing her. And again, there was an X on his map where her body was found. Uh, Horseshoe Harriet, otherwise known as Robin Pelkey. Hansen helped find her body. A Clutna Annie, who we never find out her name. Roxanne Eastland. Hansen finally confesses to killing her, but they were not able to find her body. Joanna Messina. Lisa Vertel. Uh, Hansen helped with the location of her body. Sherry Morrow. Andrea Altry. Uh, Hansen confessed to killing her, but her vo- body was not located. More than likely, most of these bodies that weren't located were probably dug up by animals and carried away. I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. Uh, Sue Luna, Hanson, helped find her body. Delyn Frey, Paula Goulding, uh, Molly Larson, age 28, was found on the 24th of April, 1984. Hanson helped locate her body. Teresa Watson, found 26th of April, 1984. Hanson, again, helped find her body. Angela Ferdern, uh, 24, found same day as Teresa Watson. Tamara Pedersen, age 20, found just a few days later. And Celia Van Zanten, age 17, found Christmas Day. Hansen denied killing her, but again, the MO fits perfectly. The speaker wire, the time, the place, it, mm-hmm. it's all it's all too perfect for it to not have been him. But for some reason. I think he feels guilty about that one. Maybe it's because she he didn't kill her, actively kill her. She got away. She still died, but it well, wasn't so technically him. He's telling the truth in that sense. That's probably the way he's yeah. just find it. Yeah, and he's. I and think I maybe he's her. a little. I think he maybe as as this great hunter, he's a little embarrassed that she got away from him, and and because mm. that was one of the things that you find out about him that he loved to do. He loved to to track his prey, what he was hunting. He loved to to get an animal and then track it and find it. Right. And I think the fact that he wasn't able to track her, yeah. I think was a huge hit to his ego. And that's why he won't admit, would never admit to it. But that's just me. On the 27th of February, 1984, after pleading guilty to the f- murder of four women, confessing to the murder of 17 women and the rape of 30 women, Robert Hansen was sentenced to 461 years plus life in prison with no chance of parole by a jury of his peers. He was transferred to Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Four years later, he was returned to Alaska to the Spring Creek Correctional Center, where he remained until he died in Alaska Regional Hospital August 21, 2014, due to natural causes at the age of of 75 and that is the story of dipple dick robert hansen or old crazy bob old crazy bob so the torture is dead (laughs) yes i hate to see that he got to live to 80 to 75 and die of natural causes though because Mm. from what i've heard from uh other podcasts is that he actually uh, got along pretty well in prison. He wanted to be a writer, but that didn't work out. He just be- he ended up becoming a barber, um, which I don't know okay. why he wouldn't. I don't know why he wouldn't work in the kitchen, um, or why yeah, anybody be- let him near sharp objects. But, That's you know. true. But he ended up becoming a barber, and uh, all the other inmates actually really liked him. Said he was a nice guy and quiet. 
All right. I said, being honest, I don't think he'd be the most um, formidable person in there. You know what I mean? I'd say he probably had to make nicey nice or, or yeah, yeah. He's, been, I'm assuming he's yeah. in like a maximum security prison, so you'd have to kind of the worst of the worst. Yeah, he's not. He's not some six foot ten. 380 pound ed kemper walking through there or or jeffrey dom jeffrey Dahmer was a really was like six one like 205 of just pure muscle so, yeah he yeah. was he was like five eight below average according to wikipedia he's five six five six okay was five, so he six, was yeah yeah he was not, not the a largest person um so yeah and the whole killing women thing doesn't go over real well in prison so Nearly I wish he kept him alive to serve all 461 years. <laughs> Just keep shocking him. Yeah. Cryo, <laughs> cut a fruit your armor and cut off his head, put it in a little thing. <laughs> so if, if uh, any of you are wondering exactly where the torture aspect comes from, it's, it's obviously mostly psychological. Um, rape and tying up is obviously uh, torture, but being mm. stripped naked and forced to run for your life. I was going to say, yeah, everything happened to Cindy Paulson. Basically yeah, is. yeah. Pretty much everything that happened to to all the women that he would talk about. How oh well, I did this, I did you know. And my horrific that's torture attempt at a German accent was also torturous. So. That was bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody else is going to hear that because you're going to edit that out. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the episode. Bad German accent. <laughs> the worst German accent. <laughs> and now there's two. Yeah. Oh, fuck. All right. So uh, a hint for our next episode. We're actually going to go back to the torture devices. And the weight might give you a splitting headache. Ooh. Marriage Ooh. again. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, these uh, little hints because I don't even know what's coming up. <laughs> so it makes me I think, usually, I usually tell after we get off. I usually, after we get off here, not get off. After we get whoa, off here, whoa, I whoa. usually tell him. And uh, so he can, you know, do what he needs to do. I think the Crime Divers podcast for starting off the show and Mount Rushmore podcast for giving us our little break in the middle. I have links to both of those shows in our show notes. Make sure you go check them out. All right, so you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at TorturePod. If you like, contact us, email us, TorturePod at gmail.com. I'm going to have to cover my um, my own little bit here that I always end up doing, which is the movie Popular Culture side of things. Yes, Wikipedia. go ahead. Go ahead, yeah, please. So, obviously, the... Uh, the extremely well-renowned and Oscar-winning film, The Frozen Ground, uh-huh. is inspired by everything that happened with uh, Robert Hansen, with um, what's his name, and um, John Cusack, the handsome, handsome John Cusack playing the extremely ugly Robert Hansen. It should have been Steve Buscemi. It's, yeah, yeah. I think well, I think Steve Buscemi is too ugly to play <laughs> Robert Hansen. I think. Um, yeah, it's horrific. But um, obviously, I'm surprised there's not more episodes of Criminal Minds based around. The first thing I thought of when I watched the the um, FBI story thing that you'd sent me about this yeah. was Criminal Minds and the BAU thing and all this. Like, you know, but um, so yeah, a few episodes of, um, I don't know if you ever watched Cold Case. I used to watch an awful lot of that years ago. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes of Cold Case. Yeah, yeah. I'm more likely to see. I don't know if I've ever see, seen his. Uh, yeah, um, chances are I probably did, but don't remember it. All right. But um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and one of my favorite TV shows is of Dexter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's uh, Kurt Caldwell, 
who, um, if anybody um, wants to Google him, played by Cancy Brown, who you'd recognise soon to Google him, just, uh, was inspired by him. So, yeah, that's about as much interesting ones as I can see there. I, I'm going to have to watch Frozen Ground because I made a comment about it and I haven't even seen it as far as I'm aware. It's supposed to be so, horrible. I well, it has it's a star-studded star cast, though. Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, 50 Cent, and Vanessa Hudgens. So... I'm a, I, I, you know what? Everybody gives him shit. I like Nicolas Cage. I like the majority of his movies. I don't know if you, uh, what, Raising Arizona is. I, 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 I like Nick. Right, I, I, I do like him. Nick. Yeah, it's I like John Cusack horrific, too. But so do I. I love Gross Point Blank. So yeah, but um, that unbearable, the weight of unbearable talent or unbearable weight of talent. Whatever. What's that new Nick yeah, Cage yeah, movie? The, the, I'm the, dying the, to see the, that. Unbear- the weight of unbearable. Ta- yeah, it's one of those. I haven't I'll seen tell you it. Yet. Know what it is. It's the unbearable weight of massive talent. As I was yeah, called. yeah. I'm, I'm dying. And he to plays see that. himself. Plays himself, basically. Yeah. And it's supposed to be outstanding. Yeah. And I want to see it. Look, really Pig. Cool. Pig was fantastic. I never got around to watching that. It, it, oh. it hit too close to home to our D and D. Yeah, uh, it is <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's fantastic. What I thought it was great. Now I'd say. Um, I know we're talking about stuff that is completely unrelated now to Robert Hansen. Oh, that's all right. But um, yeah, yeah, I definitely like to look at more stuff to do with it because there's an awful lot of the interesting stuff wasn't covered in that FBI files episode. You know, yeah, like they kind of just dove yeah. into it. Like they, you know, they kind of from... just get to the meat of it. And they, they, they skip all the 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 juicy yeah, sides. Yeah, like it starts with Paulson to escape. And uh-huh. it goes from there, and it's like none of this, this the lead up to it, like you know what I mean? It's yeah. not the background stuff whatsoever, and there's not a single thing to do with insurance fraud, which upset me quite a lot. So <laughs> that's all I got is plane. Yeah, not, exactly. Not yeah, I, was fraud, single, no I was watching it, I was wondering about all that. It's kind of like, right, hold on a minute. So, like, he's so he has a plane, he's baking the whole time, he has a wife and kids. And yeah, he has time to be doing all this shit and all this. You know what I mean? And straight away, it's like all these things are thinking of. So I would have liked an explanation about that damn plane. Yeah. And now I know. And I mean, you don't you don't want to envy anybody like him, but it's like, man, I need to I need to barter out my time better. Yeah. If you can do all that, I should be able to do a lot more stuff than That's what true. I'm doing. Exactly. But, but yeah. Anyway. That's all I yeah, got. Yeah, if you you want to get a hold of us uh please email dan he really wants some emails torturepod at gmail.com yeah about people and things we should cover <laughs> uh i got a lot of stuff for us yeah, the more insurance fraud the better yeah all right fuck well uh, i guess uh, i guess that's it we'll talk to you guys next time all right bye bye